Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, yeah, hello there. Welcome to, uh, yeah, Monday, I think, right? It is. I'm a little dis mundily discombobulated and disorganized. How you doing? Uh, I have to tell you, I... I did such a wondrous thing yesterday. I refused to watch the Super Bowl. I didn't do it to make a point. I really didn't. But I thought to myself, um, this is what you're supposed to do today. <laughs> this is, you are supposed to watch this. And since I didn't... I can't stand one of the teams, and the other, I don't have any. I don't care. Um, and I just, I thought, I'm not going to. I I had a very pleasant night uh, watching other stuff, and every once in a while I did check in just to see, and I saw that I wasn't missing anything, that it might have been one of the dullest uh, Super Bowls in history. Oh, unless, of course, you love defensive play, then it was simply wonderful. But I can't stand it. I can't stand the whole thing of it. I can't stand the build-up. I can't stand the the crap Super Bowl half times. I can't stand um, the oh god the militarism. <coughs> I can't. I hate the NFL now. I just can't stand it. So I don't like to be pulled into it. And then this voice in my head said, yes, but what about the commercials? And I thought, oh, come on. I mean, they are rarely, rarely good anymore. And if one is good, I'll see it later. So I just want to say that sometimes you don't have to. (laughs) You know? Now it helped that the friends that usually, like, give Super Bowl parties were all out of town. So I didn't have to, you know, turn something down be a curmudgeon but I just um, it was a delight and I I, want to recommend it for next year Um, unless of course the Steelers are in Um, and I just there's one thing because I was just scrolling through the Post Gazette today and you tell me this is a headline uh, you tell me I looked at this headline for an embarrassingly long time just a few moments ago and was thinking, what the hell? What does it mean? And is it a typo? Or it looks like a dirty, it looks like, you know, somebody, something men do, you know, like, uh, you know, in the locker room, uh, you know, seeing yeah, how many. So, so look at this. Is it, it can't just be me. Tell me that they can see this. It says sixth time tit list, doesn't it? You tell me if it doesn't say six-time tit list. I looked at that and saw tit list for the longest time. That about sums up everything I feel about the Super Bowl anyway. So, yeah. So, right. Six-time tit list. All right. That's all I have on that. Uh... The weather, 
while we enjoy it, let us keep in the back of our minds that it is a harbinger of terrible things to come. <laughs> this is not normal. A 60, 70, even in some cases 80 degree uh, swing in less than a week uh, is crazy. It just, if you think, uh, I can't even imagine what the plants, the natural world, you know, as opposed to us who are so often the unnatural world. The natural world is um, is thinking and uh, how unsettling it must be for them. And, of course, the impact on on us, should we ever care to acknowledge that we are part of something a lot bigger than ourselves, uh, called the natural world. Uh, I see dead people. I have to tell you, I have so many obits here. Um, but they are all fascinating to me. And uh, partially I have them because the, uh, the New York Times did a special section and I suspect it was, I didn't look at the introductory materials, but I suspect it was about the fact that February is, is it not, Black History Month. And so the Times, as they have been doing, um, looked back at their archives and saw that they had failed to note the passing of some extraordinary human beings, uh, invariably women and people of color. <laughs> because there was a time up until very recently that pretty much anybody who would get an obit in the New York Times would be, of course, a white male. And so, as I have told you, I am um, happily sharing many of these that they print on a weekly basis um, because it's such a history lesson. And it's history is often uh, sobering, sometimes fascinating, but much of this is truly sobering. So I'm gonna at points during the program I want to share some of this uh, with you. I remember last week, <coughs> well last week or the week before, I was telling you how. I mean, there are some days where you just you just page through the paper and every other headline seems to be some horror afflicted on women. And one of the horrors that day, I know, was of some uh, woman in uh, Nepal uh, dying because she had her period. This happens a lot over there. Um, a woman who is menstruating. This is not, the government itself has tried to crack down on this. But um, it's a strong, strong tradition for uh, many people. And so when a woman gets her period, she is forced out of the home. Uh, she is impure and cannot, you know, infect, I guess, the home. And... And get this, I mean, because the woman is forced out of the home because she has her period, but also because she is the home keeper 
and she is the person who cares for any children in the home, the woman and the children are essentially ousted from the house every month and put into these little huts, menstruation huts. And that's where they stay until she's stopped her period. And they die in these huts. They die of exposure. They die of suffocation when they build fires and try to stay warm or keep their children who are with them warm. Um, and it, I, I see these things all the time. And here's another one. After I just shared it with you, here's another one. Fire and menstruation hut kills woman in Nepal. It's like they have this headline in, you know, they keep it in a little little easily gotten to box and say, here, we got another one. At least three other women have died this year. This year! We're just out of one month. Have died this year in Nepal. Oh, it wasn't just women. It was a woman, 35 years old, and her two sons. All three suffocated when she tried to build a fire to keep them warm. There are never any arrests in these deaths because who do you arrest? Who do you arrest? Uh, Barbara looked up synonyms for tit list. Uh, champion is one. <laughs> I think that would have worked better. I don't know, just saying. Or uh, victor or winner. Uh, yeah. Tit list just, uh, I, I, sorry. I don't, tit list just didn't work for me. <coughs> okay. The big story over the weekend, I guess, was uh, the governor of uh, Virginia. Good God in heaven. I have to tell you, um, if he's still, if he hasn't resigned by the end of business today, <laughs> I'll be stunned. I will be stunned. I mean, it. Can you imagine? How many other, I would imagine mostly Southern office holders, have pictures like this in their past? And can you imagine that a bunch of people now are scouring, you know, yearbooks all over Dixie? And I don't know. I don't know, guys. Our um, I mean, this, this, the guys who scoured his, uh, his yearbooks were uh, up to, um, you know, they were trying to take him down, looking for bad stuff because it was, it's a Breitbart. Uh, uh, kind of operation. 
um, if those same folks would uh, do their due diligence on some of the Republican uh, Southern office holders. <laughs> and in fact, we've seen pictures. What the, that, that horrible woman who is now the senator from, I forget, they all blend, Ala, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, I don't know, Mississippi. I think of them all as some frightening places. I really do. I'm sorry. Total Yankee at heart. Um, there's a picture of her recently wearing a Confederate cap and holding a gun, and, and there's Mitch McConnell, you know, happily smiling, grinning in front of uh, the Confederate flag. I mean, the, I guess those are all okay. You got to be in blackface for your racism to um, rise to a level of uh, of outrage. So I saw that today is the 106th birthday of Rosa Parks. But taking nothing from Rosa Parks, but again, being aware Okay, wait a minute, I see something came in on. Let me let me get this so we're at least Norma writes, I am so tired of people being judged on their stupid actions decades earlier. Okay, we should talk about that. If they have led a productive and meaningful life since, then why do we throw all that away for political expediency? Does the concept of redemption mean nothing anymore? Are we really saying people can't change? This purity test we impose on everyone in public life is insane and must stop. Norma, I, it's a very provocative uh, email, and I, I'm, I, you have a strong point, I think. You do. About redemption, about growth. I mean, if we are all to be judged on actions 20, 30, 40 years in our past, then <laughs> well, we're all in trouble, probably. But there's something, this one, I'm, I, I, I don't, I, this one, uh, I, I don't think is political correctness. Uh, for me, my reaction um, to N Northam, uh, because first of all, that picture was taken what in the 80s. He was not a high school student. He was not even a college student. He was a medical school graduate. That's an adult in the 80s and um, that's a little I, I can't and then for him I mean what what would be why would anyone 
And we don't even know if he was in the KKK outfit or the black, and, and he says he wasn't either And after saying he was, but he didn't know which one. How do you, I mean, it's the, his initial reaction was, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't remember which one I was. How is that even possible? Now, what does that say? I mean, and he, he would have had to, I mean, any pictures that are on your page are pictures you put in. That's how he chose to represent himself? If I, as a voter in Virginia, had voted for him, and I would have, he was the Democrat running and he was better than the Republican, I would have voted for him. However, if I had known about that picture prior to my voting, I would not have voted for him. That's information that we need to know about candidates. It's like with Trump. We need to know stuff. We need to see his income tax returns. We don't need these surprises. Um, because they do, it allows each one of us to take the measure of the person. I have said things in the past that I would cringe now to have played. Because over my many decades on earth, I have, God I hope, gotten wiser, gotten better, grown as a human being, grown in my understanding. Um, I just, I'm sorry, 1980 and he's a medical doctor. If you were a black person, would you want the two guys in that picture to be uh, your doctor? I'm sorry. It's more than, I understand what you're saying because I think there's too much of it too. <coughs> Somebody comes up with something from someone's past and they're to be then, you know, pilloried drawn and quartered and dismissed from uh, public life. Each case is different. I find, for instance, Al Franken losing his Senate seat, I find that an outrage. That was a joke of a picture. I didn't even take offense at it. I did not. Because I think some of the sexual say he wasn't even touching this woman's breast, and we know he's a comedian, and it was just like, oh, and he loses his Senate seat. This is more egregious, and then the way it's been handled with the, yeah, it's me, I'm sorry, but I don't remember which one I was, and now neither is me. But man, I did a really mean, mean uh, Michael Jackson thing in blackface. Couldn't get that shoe polish. I mean, he's just, wow. I don't know. I think it would be a good idea for him to step down. And I think it would be especially wonderful since his lieutenant governor who would take over is uh, the descendant of slaves. I think that seems just. You know, you don't 
You have a right to be stupid. You have a right to be bigoted. You have a right to make mistakes. You don't have a right to be the governor. And yes, the Democrats do hold their folks with uh, skeletons in their closet. They hold them more accountable than Republicans do. Nothing has more been more repulsive than seeing Republicans outraged, outraged by uh, by the governor in blackface, as they probably all wildly go running through family scrapbooks, pulling all their Halloween costumes from you know five decades back. I don't know. It's a good point, Norma. We should talk about it some. I too am sick of the the sort of public shaming of people, the the forced apologies that are required. Um, I, I I hate it because it, it, there's something. Well, as I've always said, I don't want anybody pushing me around. I don't, you know, the politically correct crowd or the other crowd. I don't like anybody. I don't like mobs. But this one. In and of itself, if I had seen that picture and was told that is the supposedly Democratic governor <laughs> of Virginia who enjoys wide uh, black support, and, um, and that's him. And he was a grown adult, a doctor. I would say he's a, wow. I mean, if that were in your background, the smart thing to do would be to roll it out yourself at some point. Roll it out yourself and say, I want to show you how a southern man, someone who grew up thinking black people were subhuman, I want to show you how someone can grow. Look, this is me. This is me just 30 years ago. I am so ashamed. Let it out. Get it out. Try to tell, but but that's not the way it, it it's handled. I don't know. So anyway, this country's original sin of how we have treated people of color from the Native Americans who we almost wiped off the face of the map to the Africans we shackled, dehumanized, and brought to our shores and who we still have, many of us, have difficulty acknowledging as our equals. <laughs> These sins are so in our bones and in our blood. And a lot of what I have here are reminders of that. And my God, if we do not come to some terms with it, and there are so many of 
people who call themselves Americans who are so resistant to their own racism. And it occurs to me that it's because literally generation after generation after generation after generation they've been taught you're better than those people. Those people fill in the blank with whatever repulsive stereotype there is. And they grow up with that. And when it's your parents and all the people you love who have formed these ideas in your head, I guess it's very hard to acknowledge that without feeling like you're somehow disavowing them. I don't know. But I have seen in my adult life that the resistance on the part of white people to acknowledge the brutality we inflicted and continue to inflict on people of color because for some reason we need to be superior to them is the kind of sin that will see us all if you're a believer enjoying fire and brimstone for eternity. I have a caller, I know. I'll get to you in two seconds. I just want to get this email in. The letter writer, Norma, mentioned redemption. Redemption is only possible through acceptance of responsibility and contrition. Had the governor come out shortly after he was elected and released the photo and said that he'd recently discovered an ugly issue from my past, But how do you discover an ugly issue from your past? You lived it. You know it. You don't discover it. Sorry, I'm just choice of words there. I, you know, that he had finally gotten the courage to share with everyone this ugly thing (coughs) from his past. And if he had then done that and asked that we understand that he is not the same person who's in that picture who knows when under the KKK or under the blackface, and he's sorry for his past lapse of judgment, perhaps I could forgive him, says Milton. But since he wasn't the one who released it, and he wasn't the one who copped to the photo, and his behavior since shows no contrition, he's got to go. I agree with you. I agree with that. Caller, go ahead, please. Hi. Wait, wait, wait. You got to start over because you're breaking up. Yeah, you got to start over. Okay. Uh, so I don't understand how his behavior. So we have to assume that the governor was lying and that he knew that this photo was in there. Is that correct? I think he has said he knew the photo was in there. I've heard him say the opposite. <laughs> so I don't, I don't Do you know. mean he I never mean, looked? So wait good. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean he never looked at the yearbook? Why? I don't, I mean, there were yearbooks from my school that I never looked at, so I don't see that 
completely outside. Okay, so the you realm think somebody? Okay, so why would he initially say, "Oh boy, yeah, that's me. I can't remember which one. Because I'm he sorry." Because he said he remembered putting on blackface and dancing. So maybe he no, but that's a different. That was a different place. That was a different thing because he would have been wearing a Michael so Jackson maybe, costume. How did, but he didn't know when that picture was taken. So he said, "How do you not know he when he that picture is taken?" Do you know what you were doing in 1984? If I had, yeah, well, I never would have dressed in such. If I had taken a picture, happily posed, what with year? somebody in a KKK outfit, and or me in a KKK outfit, since that yeah, is not that clear, you either. think I wouldn't remember that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it wasn't him in the picture. Regardless, what year did Ted Danson put on blackface? Why does that? He's not the governor of Virginia. Who cares? It was ten years after that. Okay, and what that was not was acceptable. Robert Byrd, what year was Robert Byrd? Grand so wait, okay, so wait, so wait. What, what's your point, though? What are you saying? What are you saying? What's your point? That, I don't remember that he when. Should... So I don't remember when Robert Byrd died a couple years back, eight years ago, nine years ago. Everybody's spending the entire time talking about him being Grand Wizard. When he, yeah, like it was like 50, 60 years earlier, he acknowledged it, it right. eventually. Right, and people talked about what he did in his political career. Uh -huh. I haven't heard one person say anything that this governor has done that was racist as a politician. So you what think... here was 24 hours earlier, everybody, 24 hours before this picture came out, everybody was talking about some Abortion. statement... That he made about abortion that mm -hmm. I bet both you and I agree with. I don't know, but I I just want to say it's a hip job. Obviously, it's a hip job. It's anybody who's got their brain functioning can see of a good politician, just like it was with Al Franken. This is worse than no. I disagree. This is How do so you disagree? not. Al Franken well, was a, took a handful of years ago when he was a middle-aged man that he was making those photographs. This was like 30 years ago, and we have no evidence that either Al Franken or this governor has done anything racist in their career. Okay. Well, I mean, we're not going to agree. That's why the Black Caucus of Virginia backed him as a candidate until this picture came out. Then yeah. it was all of a sudden, we hate him. It's not we hate him. We're disappointed, and we do not think he can lead this state. So yes, no. Norma is one. Norma is 100% correct. If you cannot correct anything you did at any point in your life, then but like, that, what that's is the not, point of you should just? Each case is different. I am coming down in a different place on this one than I did with Franken. You apparently are giving anybody wow, complete. What? What? Contradicting yourself. How? You're completely contradicting yourself. There is no difference. <laughs> One, you're just, you have no explanation as to why you're coming into the two different positions. Yeah, my own, my own sense of whether there was uh, an outrageous act performed. I do not see the picture with Franken as an outrageous act. And I say that as a feminist all my life in good standing. I do not. I do not. That His, picture that not... picture, that picture with Northrum, to me, is so over the top, is so outrageous. There was more. That... What? 
There was more than just the pictures with Al Franken. Mm. Okay, whatever. You remember he was being accused of putting his tongue down her throat while during like a friendly kiss or a greeting kiss or something like that. All right, okay, fine. So, I mean, I'm, I don't think either one of them should be gone for that. No, men should stick their... Th yeah, I guess you're right. You're an absolutist then. Let everybody do whatever they want and never be held responsible for any of it. And if, uh, you know, time said, is the great washer was. of everything. If you just keep it under wraps for 10, 15, 20 years, you're, you're, you're good to go. Is that what you're saying? No, I didn't say anything. No, but you see, you keep putting... No, and, and you have been putting words in my mouth. <clears throat> just doing what a little turn around. Almost every way you have characterized what I said. And frankly, I am getting heated up, and this is getting nowhere. We are not going to agree. Well, so let's just hang it up, okay? Well, are you going okay, to change my mind? Wait, wait. Are you going to change my mind? No. I am, am I going to change your mind? No. I'll give you a time to make a final statement, and then I will ask that we move on. If he does resign today, it would be good because that guy will become the governor on the 400th anniversary of the first slave arriving in Virginia, which I think would be good. Ha! We agree on that. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye. Jesus. Okay. We all are different. We all are individuals. We all have different life experiences that result in our perception of the world we live in. And we arrive at different conclusions to things. There's no reason to be screaming at each other about it. I'm so sick of screaming at each other. So, okay, so the 400th anniversary of the first what? The first slave being brought here? Is that what he said? Well, as I said, speaking of anniversaries, Rosa Parks, 106, I believe, today would be. But let me um, tell you about another woman who you don't know about. Her name is Elizabeth Jennings. She was on her way to church. She was a teacher. Um, she was early 20s. Uh, she was on her way to church. This is in uh, Manhattan, lower Manhattan. Uh, she, she was the organist at the church. And I guess I better tell you the year here. It was July of 1854. Okay. And uh, she jumped on a, a trolley on 3rd Avenue, horse-drawn trolley. And the conductor said, uh-uh, off. You wait for a car reserved for blacks. And one pulled up as he's telling her to get off, but it was totally full. 
So she she refused. She said, "No, I there's no room there. I'm here." And um police ended up being called. She ended up actually tussling with um the conductor. She was clinging to a frame on the trolley's window as he pulled on her coat. She was screaming for people to help her. Police officers saw all this happening. He come jumping on. This is right near, if you know Manhattan, uh, where Canal Street is now. Um, the cop boarded uh, the car and shoved Elizabeth Jennings off onto the sidewalk. She did something pretty remarkable, first of all, that she resisted. This is 1854. She resisted, and then she sued. Her father, actually, had helped found something called the New York African Society for Mutual Relief. It was a, a charitable group helping free blacks in New York. And uh, he talked to his fellows in that uh, charitable outfit. And so they helped him publicize what had happened to his daughter. And they found a lawyer to represent her in her lawsuit against what was the transit authority. He was just out of law school. He was 26 years old. And his name was Chester A. Arthur. They sued for discrimination. In 1855, eight months later, Judge William Rockwell told a jury in State Supreme Court in New York that the railroad company was required as a common carrier to convey all respectable passengers She was awarded $225, which was equal to her annual salary for teaching. The judge threw in another 10% for a total of what would be about $7,000 in today's dollars. And what is amazing about this is that this changed the law in New York. It led to the legal annulment of racially segregated mass transit in New York in 1855. So move over, Rosa. Move over, Rosa Parks. Isn't that amazing? 1855, Elizabeth Jennings 
and she went on to teach for 35 more years. She founded what has been described as the first kindergarten for black children. She died in 1901, 100 years before Rosa Parks. We should know that. We don't know much. You know, we just don't. God, the way we, the people who we were taught in school to venerate, to know about, almost all white men, by the way, and these amazing human beings that we should also know about are lost to his history because it's white history, white male history. It brings me to reminding you of a great resource a block away from where I sit, the August Wilson Cultural Center. Are we lucky or not? And I want to tell you that appearing at the August Wilson Center for a, I think, a two-day run this month, February 20th to 21st, note this because this is something that I'm sure is amazing. It is a one-woman show about Harriet Tubman the abolitionist Harry, Harriet Tubman. Reimagined. This is weird. It's the story of her, but reimagined as a young woman growing up in Harlem in the 21st century. And so it focuses on the mistreatment of young black girls now and asks questions like, what would happen? if a young woman like Harriet Tubman became a leader in this new world, would she know her power? Would her struggle be the same? The August Wilson Center, putting on so much wondrous stuff. You got to know it. And I'm going to keep reminding you about it, okay? Check them out and support them because it is an amazing, amazing cultural resource we are so lucky to have in our town, okay? Uh, Milton writes again, the only possible way the governor's story works is if he so often donned KKK garb or blackface that he's confused as to whether or not he appears in the photo. If he honestly can't remember whether or not he wore such... I agree. How do you not remember you did that? I would remember because it would have been outrageous even then. For me, I'd remember. It wasn't outrageous for him, obviously, so exactly right. He probably had done it before. Well, as he tells us, he did it before. Why do we bend over backwards to give him the benefit of the doubt? I guess because he's a white guy. He really, as Milton said, 
if the governor had released the photo himself, he would be able to control the narrative. But the fact that he covered it up, just like Trump covers up his taxes, just like Trump doesn't want to make Mueller's results and report uh, public, bespeaks a guilty person, right? Roger writes, I'm a 57-year-old white guy. In my youth, I know I've done and said things that are racist, that are misogynistic, that are homophobic. You name it, I'm guilty. In 1984, I was 22. I can't serve my country today because I was in blackface back then. Oh, I can't save, serve my country today because I was in blackface back then, being stupid and ignorant. As a grown and evolved man 30 plus years later, should I still be accountable? If 22 is too young to be forced to quit my job today, when does it start? 24, 26, 30? Kids growing up today with everything being recorded in today with everything being recorded are doomed. Be appalled but shut up. Take a breath, then think, what's an appropriate reaction? Maybe sit on it a few days, maybe a week. That's not the world we live in. We don't sit on anything anymore. It's immediate, and outrage is always what um, happens. I can't, I, it's mob rule. I can't stand it. Sometimes I agree with what they're screaming about. Sometimes I don't. Um, I agree. Norma brought up it's a it's a good subject and it's a difficult. So the reason it's a good one is because it's difficult. It's really difficult. Okay, so I am. I just want to keep sort of pulling the rug out from under everything we were ever taught. And again, I told you I was going to do. I see dead people today. I got a lot of obits here. But here's another one. So Rosa Parks was not the first black woman on public transit to refuse to get up. And it's amazing. It was more of a trial, actually, with Rosa Parks uh, getting legal relief, right, than it appeared to have been in 1855 for Elizabeth Jennings. Granted, one was in the North and the other was in the South. Um, Barbara writes, my conclusion and outrage about Northam is tempered by what the resident in the White House gets away with. Yeah, as well as others, some of which you mentioned this morning. The double standard is upsetting. I agree. I agree. And I have said for 30, 40 years. And this statement has only gotten truer year after year after year. Republicans are shameless. Democrats are not shameless. Democrats feel shame, acknowledge shame, and take action. Republicans are shameless. Caller, go ahead, please. Not, not there. Okay, so here I'm. I'm blowing up. Okay, so so uh, Elizabeth Jennings uh, did Rosa Parks a hundred years earlier, and and ended up 
desegregating public transit in, in New York uh, State. Um, okay, who was the first black baseball player, professional baseball player? Yeah, Jackie Robinson. It was just his 100th birthday, <laughs> I think, last week, right? That's true, but he was not the first black professional baseball player. It was a guy named Moses Fleetwood Walker. And he grew up in Steubenville. And he was born in 1857. And he was a catcher for the Toledo Blue Stockings. Um, and that was one, that was a, a team with the American Association, one of two major league leagues that existed at that time. It was major league professional baseball. And believe me, he was the only black guy for a while. And then actually his brother, Weldy, signed in for a few games as an outfielder. Their major le league career careers didn't go very far um, because there was, of course, there were teams that wouldn't didn't want to play him. There were pitchers on his own team, even though he was a catcher, who said uh, they they wouldn't even take uh, you know any any signs from him. But he was the first. They called him Fleet. And here's something else that sort of blows your mind. He was studying law at the University of Michigan when he decided to turn pro in 1883. Now, I guess what's sort of mind-blowing about this is all of this, that what, how did we, what do you mean? He was studying law at the University of Michigan? He was the first major league black baseball player? In the 1890s, uh, baseball club owners, majors, minors, didn't matter, uh, gave in to the Jim Crow um, era, and uh, that's when baseball became a totally whites-only affair. That I mean, by their rules and regulations. It had not been the case before. And you know, you see, I mean, this guy, his father was a, a physician. Just as uh, Elizabeth Jennings' father was uh, was a very um, successful tailor and then organizer of that um, aid society for free blacks. Black black people, there were there was a way for some to attempt, I guess, to live a relatively okay existence, but it never pans out very well. But here's another head-scratcher I got to tell you about from his bio. The first Major League Black ball player, Moses Fleetwood Walker, he called himself Fleet. After he was out of baseball, he gotten into an argument with a bunch of white guys 
in Syracuse. He was playing minor league ball at the time. And Fleet pulled a pocket knife. And he fatally stabbed one of the white guys. Well, hang it up, right? But get this. An all-white jury, after hearing testimony about whether the episode stemmed from racial epithets that had been lodged at Fleet, and whether he had been hit with a rock hurled by one of the men before he pulled out his knife, the all-white jury found Moses Fleetwood Walker not guilty. He killed a white man in broad daylight and an all-white jury in 1891 said he acted in self-defense. Would that happen today? Would that happen today? He went on to pursue business opportunities with his brother. They opened an entertainment center in Ohio that had motion pictures and opera and vaudeville. Moses Fleetwood Walker patented inventions that facilitated the loading of film reels by his projectionists at a time when the movie industry was in its infancy. He and his brother edited a short-lived newspaper in 1902 focusing on racial injustice. Here's one of his editorials. The Negro should be taught he is an alien and always will be regarded as such in this country. And that equal social, industrial, and political rights can never be given them. He was buried in an unmarked grave in Steubenville. Weldy was buried alongside him later. The Ohio legislature passed a measure last year establishing an annual Moses Fleetwood Walker Day on his birthday, and private fundraising financed gravestones for both the Walker brothers. Moses's marker, which was dedicated in 1990, reads in part, first black major league baseball player in the United States. All right, so I got this this thing, and I gotta I gotta tell you this too because I got this thing in the mail 
little flyer thing about a film festival that's going on at the August Wilson Center that I've got to let you know about. It's the Black Bottom Film Festival. And it, it is a celebration of African-American cinema. And uh, it showcases movies um, focusing on themes that are ever-present in August Wilson's uh, plays. Obviously, that would be the working class, struggling race, family conflict, honor, duty, all of those human things, spirituality. And uh, the Black Bottom Film Festival is going to be running from uh, the 22nd to the 24th of this month. Um, you guys got to go to the August Wilson uh, website and see all the stuff that's going on this month. It, 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 it literally is, I mean, you could be there every night. It's mind-blowing. So please, uh, take the time to broaden your horizons. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm looking if there's something just light. Is there something light? No, no, there is no light. It sure was fun seeing everybody out yesterday, I'll tell you that. Man, I I took the dog for the longest walk we've had in a long, long time. And we we met about twenty other dogs and their happy owners going out. You know, it's after such bitterly cold weather when you have a day like Yesterday, I mean, it's just so much fun seeing people. There were people in shorts and T-tops just, you know, running and, ah, uh, ah. Uh. But, as I said, it's, uh, it's a little weird. That's all I'm saying. It's a little weird. So, I'll talk about that later. Ugh. I've got some other obits here, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Some of them are just so hard. I can't deal with them. Uh, one of the little things. Hang on. Just trying to because I most of this stuff I can't get in in the few minutes I have left. Um, speaking of weather, though, I'll I'll just. Do you know that um, just like I've spent most of my professional life in media. And I've watched TV uh, news change, and I've watched newspapers uh, change. And a lot of these important and great industries are suffering mightily because nobody can figure out how to give people the news that used to be in a print paper and have people pay for it like they used to. It's a real problem. And there will be less and less people employed in the journalis journalism uh, craft, which means there will increasingly be a less informed American public. And as we can tell 
from the fact that 40% of American people think Donald Trump's doing a great job that it's hard to imagine being less informed <laughs> than we already are. So why did I, oh, and here's another industry. It's sort of like the buggy whip industry when, um, when the Model T came in. Ski resorts. If you know someone who owns a ski resort, you better tell them to start, <laughs> start. I don't know, making an escape plan because they're going down. It says here, in another 25 years, only about half of the ski resorts in the Northeast will be able to be economically sustainable. So in the next 25 years, we're going to lose half of the ski resorts. Now, since I don't ski, I used to, I don't care, but a lot of people do. And um, in Europe, it's even worse. The ski culture there is much larger. And half the glacial ice in the Alps has already melted. And you wonder where all these winter sports aficionados and their organizations, why they aren't on the front lines of the climate change challenge. Why aren't they out there? Because you don't hear a peep. They're sitting on a dying business. You can't have ski slopes where you don't have snow. Okay, that's it for me. Tomorrow, Susan, as far as I know. Uh, later in the week, we have another guest coming in who does a one-woman show, and she's touring the country. And um, I'll tell you more about that at a later date. Okay, so have a good one and enjoy the sun. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.